Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Now, what is Satan trying to do? Does Satan want your house? No. Does he want your wheat? No, he doesn't want your barley. He doesn't want your wine. He doesn't want any of that stuff. He wants your soul. And he wants you to turn away from God and to go towards anything else. You don't even have to go directly to him. Just as long as you're going away from God, that's what he wants. He's very concerned about you spiritually, not physically. But here's what Satan knows. If he attacks us physically, often that distracts us from nurturing ourselves spiritually. Our world is not short on difficulties that we are working through. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation are challenged by wars, famines, earthquakes, disease, as well as many personal challenges like family issues, career issues, and health issues. And as a result, people begin to wonder, maybe now more than ever, is this the end? In this sermon series, we will be attempting to answer this question by looking at the four horsemen in Revelation 6. Through this study, we will not only better understand the end times, but also better understand these difficult times we are in. Now enjoy today's message. This past week, I heard about a parakeet named Chippy. And Chippy was the pride and joy of his owner, who we'll just call Mrs. Smith. And Mrs. Smith loved Chippy because Chippy filled their home with songs of joy. It was something that those, those songs were something that lifted Mrs. Smith's spirit continually. But then one day, as Mrs. Smith was cleaning her home, she noticed that Chippy's cage was rather dirty. And so she opened the front of the cage, not wanting to let the bird be able to fly out. And she put the end of the vacuum into the cage to get, clean up the bottom of it. And as she was cleaning the bottom, her phone rang. She looks down, into the vacuum pops up, and then whew, Chippy was sucked into the vacuum. Well, immediately Mrs. Smith panics. She drops the vacuum down, tears open the bag, finds Chippy, thankfully. We might say the birdie was a little dirty, though. He was alive, and as she is brushing him off, she realizes she can't get it off, so she takes him into the bathroom, puts him under the sink. She's in such a hurry, she doesn't realize it's cold water. And so the bird is shivering as she is wiping off the dirt, and uh, Chippy was uh, drippy. Now, you're like keeping, that, keeping the rhyme going. So Chippy's drippy and cold, so then Mrs. Smith grabs her hair dryer, and she plugs it in. This lava heat just blasts into Chippy. The parakeet was dealing with some serious heat, and it's just blasting Chippy, and Chippy's like this huge fluff ball. Well, a few days later, actually it's a few weeks later, and this is how I know about this story, a reporter hears of the story and records it. And one of the last questions the reporter asked Mrs. Smith after she had told Chippy's story is, um, she, he said, well, so how is Chippy doing? <laughs> and Mrs. Smith said, well, he's fine, but he doesn't really sing many songs anymore. <laughs> and I'm sure that was an understatement. In fact... She said, Chippy doesn't sing at all anymore. Don't challenges and trials and tribulations have a, have a way of stealing our life song? Stealing the joy from us in life? We, we've been in this study of Revelation chapter 6. And as we've been in this study, we've been looking at these different horses. And, and these horses... I haven't come into this world to give you joy, but to steal your joy, to bring pain into your life, 
a while back, Laura and I, we were hanging out with some friends who were significantly older than us. Actually, their children were our age. And the woman, the wife that we were with, she was rather melancholy. And that was as much as I ever knew her to be. Just never really was one that had a lot of joy in her life. She wasn't mean, she just wasn't happy either. What was interesting about her that struck me was when we were in their home, I, I was looking at some of the pictures on her, on her and his wall, and I noticed there was just a significant amount of joy in the photo. She was happy. The photo was 30 years old, but, but there was a difference between that photo and the woman I looked at down the hall who wasn't happy. Her life song was gone. And I wondered what it was that caused that transition. And as I got to know them better, they indeed had dealt with some trials and some tribulations, some things that actually they brought into their own life and then some things that they had no control over. And these horses that we're studying are wanting to do that in our lives as well. They're wanting to steal the joy. They're wanting to steal the life. They're wanting to steal the happiness that God has for us. In the book of Revelation, there's a few ways that you can describe it. And one of them that we are doing through this series is this way. The book of Revelation describes the past, present, and future conflict between good and evil. It is a conflict of Satan continually having the cycle of these horses present in our lives. And this is something that we need to be readily aware of. We need to know that Satan is actually doing these particular things in our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. In other words, there's been a cycle of what it is that we have been talking about and will be talking about that's going to be perpetual throughout all of time until ultimately it's going to build up to the end and there's going to be something really, really significant that's going to happen in the end. Maybe we're on that build up now, maybe we're not. But these signs are going to be perpetually with us in the meantime because this is part of Satan's playbook in this world. And these horses that we're studying, they are his strategy. The riders on the horses personify different things, but the horses absolutely personify, or the horses absolutely um, can be connected to the strategy that Satan is trying to implement here in our world. Now, how many of you here are CU grads? We got a few, a few of you, a few of you CU grads. We, we've been, I've been praying for your football team. Just wanted you to be aware of that because it hasn't been pretty lately. This was two weeks ago or a week and a half ago against the University of Minnesota. CU lost 30 to nothing. Yesterday's game against Arizona State, Sun Devils, was a little better, but it wasn't much better. And, and as I was thinking about them, I also started to think about what we're talking about. And, and I started to think, you know, what if the University of Colorado football team had the Minnesota Gopher playbook? Wouldn't that be incredible? They would be able to recognize the schemes, the formation, the calls, the plays. If they saw someone make a shift, they would know what they were going to do and where they were going and, and where the openings would be. They would spend 40 hours that week just studying that playbook. They, they would know what was coming because they wanted to win. And instead of getting beat 0 to 30, they would beat them 30 to 0, maybe. It makes a big difference when you have the playbook. Now, obviously, that isn't realistic with college football, but it is what we have with the Bible. And how silly would it be for the University of Colorado football team to have the playbook of the other team and to never give it a second thought? 
Well, in this study that we are doing, we're studying deeply the strategies of Satan and what it is that he is wanting to do in our world, in our nation, in our communities, and don't lose this in your life. Thanks for joining us on Hope for the Day. This is Pastor Philip Holland, and I come to you today with some bittersweet news. After four wonderful years of sharing the hope of Jesus through our sermons on Hope for the Day, it's time for us to say goodbye. But before we part ways, I want to extend my deepest gratitude to each and every one of you who has tuned in week after week, allowing our messages to resonate in your hearts and your lives. Your support has been so valued by our team, and I'm so grateful for the ways that God has used this ministry. Now, as we close this chapter, I want to remind you that our mission does not end here. You can still access our sermons, delve deeper into our community, and find biblical resources and support on our website at valleyviewcc.com. And better yet, join us in person at one of our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., or 11 a.m. Now, the reason that we're making this change is entirely strategic. We're excited about what we have coming up, and that has led us as a church to make an adjustment in our approach to this media ministry of ours. And so as we do something new going forward, I want you to keep your eyes open for the Valley View Christian Church podcast, where we'll continue to share sermons, interviews, and uplifting messages in new and exciting ways. So friends, as we bid farewell to this season of Hope for the Day, I just want to thank you again for being a part of our community, and may you always remember the hope that we have in Jesus. So the first week, we, we discussed the strategy of how the white horse, and who's riding the white horse that we discussed? The Antichrist is riding the white horse, and he is going to come and create confusion between what is right and what is wrong. And we asked two questions about this. We said, what is it that God deemed to be historically right that society, maybe even our world, says is wrong? And we're progressing along with that because it benefits us or someone we love. What is it that God has historically deemed to be wrong that we now think is right because it benefits us or someone we love? And we can answer those questions in a variety of different ways. But this is the confusion that Satan is wanting to implement in our world and in your lives. And the second strategy that we talked about, that confusion leads to, these horses all progress along. After confusion, you have conflict. The second horse is going to create conflict. The rider is going to create conflict between the individuals, communities, and nations. There's going to be great wars that take place. But the point that we made here, one of the points that we made here that was important, was who our enemies are. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your employer. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not a Republican or a Democrat. Your enemy is Satan. And these other people, they're children of God. They're people that Jesus died for. And we can get so caught up in these different issues that we're dealing with today, and we're dealing with a lot of them. And I'm not saying they aren't important, because they are. But we're so caught up in these issues, we forget that there are people who are dying. There are people who are far from God. And there are people that are going to experience an eternity in torment. And maybe one of Satan's greatest strategies now for us is to put us in a place where we forget that. We forget what the main things are. 
we get confused. And when we get confused, conflict follows. And then the third thing that we're going to see is calamity in a variety of different ways. And that picks up in Revelation 6, verse 5 and 6. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard this third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I'm going to break this down a little bit as we go along. The pair of scales in his hand. What does the scale represent? Well, for us today, we can look at it from two different perspectives. One perspective is that there is a, a, an issue of the economy in this particular day. The economics are not lining up. In other words, there's a high demand, low supply, inflation is through the roof. The scales are pointing out the fact that what you should be able to get for a product, you can't anymore. And so there's this economic inequality that's really off of the charts. The scale also represents God's judgment in our world. And it's a judgment that isn't meant to pay us back. If you're a Christian, we should never have a mentality that God is trying to pay us back. God doesn't pay back. His desire is always to bring back to bring us back to him, to get us back in line with him. And this scale is saying that we're a little misaligned on what it is that we are doing and the way that we are living. And so the scale is off and God's justice is beginning to pour forth into the world to bring his people back to him. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wage and six pounds of barley for a day's wage and do not damage the oil and the wine. And what you again have here is that there is this inequality with the wheat and the barley as far as what they cost. They shouldn't cost this much, but they do cost this much. And so now there's issues with wheat, there's issues with barley. And to be candid with you, I don't know what to do with wheat. And I don't know what to do with barley. And if you're gluten-free, I have no idea what you're going to do. <laughs> but he says, do not damage the oil and the wine. And this represents two things as well. The first is for those 0.1% of people in our world this is a luxury item that even in the face of, as we're going to come to find out, famine, they still have their luxury items. In other words, it's going to hit the majority of people, but this was a very luxurious item to have in this particular day, and it's still going to be available, even in spite of the fact that the bare essentials of life, for most of us, aren't going to be available. This also represents God's grace, and this is something that you should find hope from. And I hope that as we talk about this, the messages lead you, lead you to a place of hope. If they don't lead you to a place of hope, then I have failed, or at least you're not processing it the way that you ought to. And the graciousness of the God in this moment is God deals with the areas of our life, but he doesn't judge every aspect of our life. In other words, the wheat and the barley are affected, but the wine isn't. There's judgment on, one pa on, on a couple of aspects of life, but this other area of life is not. Maybe even an area of life that these people in this day were more dependent on because this is often what they would sell to make money. They would sell the wine to make money, okay? Now, what does all this mean? I've already kind of alluded to it, but if we cross-reference this passage of Scripture with Matthew 24, which is very important to do, even though they're 50 years apart in having been um, essentially spoken, okay? In Matthew 24, Jesus gives the Olivet Discourse, and this is what he says about the end of time. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Which is, this is what we are asking today. What does the end look like? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, 
For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. This is the Antichrist. Okay, that's who this is referring to. This is the person on the white horse. The person on the red horse is next. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. That's the rider on the red horse. Next is nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and it goes on. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And what I'm presenting to you is that the third strategy is going to be directly connected to famines. Short, there's going to be a shortage of supply of what is needed. Now, what is Satan trying to do? Does Satan want your house? No. Does he want your wheat? No. He doesn't want your barley. He doesn't want your wine. He doesn't want any of that stuff. He wants your soul. And he wants you to turn away from God and to go towards anything else. You don't even have to go directly to him. Just as long as you're going away from God, that's what he wants. He's very concerned about you spiritually, not physically. But here's what Satan knows. If he attacks us physically, often that distracts us from nurturing ourselves spiritually. Hi, this is Pastor Philip Holland of Valley View Christian Church speaking. And today I come to you with a mix of gratitude and also for reflection. After four remarkable years of sharing sermons and faith-based conversations on Hope for the Day, it's time for us as a church to close this chapter. And the reason that we are doing this is entirely strategic. We want more people to receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we are doing that, we're going to shift towards more of a podcast format. But before we part ways, I want to take a moment to express my deepest thanks to each and every one of you who has been a part of our journey. Your faithfulness in listening, engaging, and spreading hope has been nothing short of inspiring and I'm immensely grateful for your support. Now, as we prepare to bid farewell to this radio show, I want to remind you that our message of hope and faith will continue to shine brightly. You can still connect with us and explore more of our church community at our website, valleyviewcc.com. There you'll find sermons, resources, and opportunities to deepen your spiritual journey. And also, once again, you can follow our Valley View Christian Church podcast, where you'll continue to find sermons, interviews, and other uplifting messages in a brand new format. Now, as we embark on this new chapter, let us carry the hope of Jesus with us wherever we go. Thank you for being a part of this community, and may the grace of God continue to guide and bless you abundantly. Laura and I did ministry in a particular area of Louisville, Kentucky that was, it was poor and it was impoverished and there was high levels of addiction and drugs and all sorts of uh, paraphernalia and crime. One of the lessons I learned when we were in the midst of that ministry, besides the fact that it was really, really hard and somewhat unsafe, but it, besides all of that, another lesson that we learned was that people do not care. Well, let me say it this way. Unless you are willing to resolve their physical problems, they don't care about your spiritual solutions. Even though I would say to them, if you would just believe in Jesus, if you would just align yourself with Jesus, if you would just follow him, a lot of these problems would go away. Like those drug deals that you're doing in the back of my backyard, literally in my backyard, those drug deals that I've been seeing, that stuff is not good for your life. It's physically going to harm you. It's going to make you go through a significant challenge in life. But they didn't care about that gospel message 
until we were willing to help them with their, their hunger, willing to help them with their utilities, their lights, whatever it may be, whatever the situation was. Satan knows the same thing. In the end of time, there is absolutely going to be famine. There is going to be high demand for our bare necessities of life. And it's going to cost a lot of money. But you know what else is going to be in short supply? The Word of God. And people are going to be desiring to have hope. They're going to be desiring to hear about Jesus. And it's going to be harder to come by. And maybe some of that is because we're getting so complacent as a people. And we're not taking our faith serious to the point that it's not getting passed on to the next generations. Here's the third strategy. To create calamity in your life through physical and spiritual famines. And maybe you're going through a very physical challenge right now, circumstantial challenge, and, and right now it's hard. Life is difficult for you. It was difficult for them in this day too. And one of the principles I laid out to you the first week is this, that if you're going to understand the book of Revelation properly, you have to get this. The Bible can't mean for us what it didn't mean for its original audience. So we have to understand a little bit of what was going on in that particular day to understand what it can mean for us today. And like I said, these horses are all progressive. So you get confusion, then you get conflict, and after conflict, you get famine. It always follows. Okay, And the reason that it follows is because war, part of war is destroying the crops of the people that you're conquering. And then from there, there's high demand, low supply. One biblical scholar said it this way, ancient Mediterranean warfare including destroying the standing crops in the field but not the vines and olive trees. Destruction of the vines and olive trees, which is why in the text it said, spare the vines, spare the olive trees would produce a long-range devastation of the local economies and so negate the whole point of conquering the land. They would have understood this. Remember, there was a famine in the land that the Apostle Paul was gathering money for and he was taking it back to Jerusalem. These people in this day had experienced famine before. They had experienced war before. They knew what all of that meant and what came from it. And they also knew that you didn't want to get rid of the vines and the olive trees. Destroying the wheat and barley meant hardship for a year, but destroying the olive trees, which took about 17 years to grow, and vines spelled enduring disaster. Only the worst of the worst would do that. And so what does that translate into today? Well, let's look back at the text. Again, a quart of wheat cost a full day's wage. Three quarters of barley cost a full day's wage. I don't know what you make a day. What do you make a day? $50, $100, $200, $300 a day? I, I don't know what that is for you. But that is essentially what it would cost you to buy a loaf of bread. Look at it like that, okay? If we were to trans or spring this out to today, historians think that it's about 12 times the cost of our goods today. That's, what they, that's the kind of inflation they were dealing with. So a gasoline would have been $44 a gallon. 44, could you imagine that? $44 a gallon, that's unbelievable. Everybody would be riding bikes. Or we'd be like Jim Carrey and Jeff Bridges and Dumb and Dumber. We'd be cruising, you know, they're cruising in the Aspen with icicles all over them. Everybody would have mopeds and bikes. That's the only way we would travel. $44 a gallon. Eggs, $48 a dozen. Milk, $36 a gallon. And then I, just for fun, I threw this in there. And this guy, $1 million for dinner with Juan Fallis, our student pastor. There would be physical challenges that would result from the famine. Satan goes after the physical to distract us from the spiritual. And maybe, again, that's what some of what you're dealing with. You're dealing with some very 
physical challenges. Maybe you're not, and I've got something for you in a moment. But maybe you're dealing with some anxiety and frustrations around an employer vaccine mandate. And that right now is a physical, that is a challenge that is just tearing you apart. Maybe you're dealing with a coworker who's unvaccinated and that's tearing you apart. And you don't understand why they won't get it and they don't understand why you want them to get it. And there's all this conflict and tension in your workplaces. Ah, Teenagers are riddled with anxiety. A teenager you might have who is physically harming themselves. You have a marriage that might not make it. You are wondering if you will make it. There was a local teacher just the other night, took her life, mom, it's terrible. People need hope right now. People are struggling right now and maybe that's you. And if that's you, you've got to quit focusing on these things. These are important, you sort them out, Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.